Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity in your presence. Thank you for um, the grace. We thank you, Lord, that even as we approach your word, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will teach us, give us understanding, give us hearts that is receptive to your word in the name of Jesus. We pray that we'll not be hearers only, but we'll be doers as well in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. Okay, I want to share. Yeah, I want to share my. Uh, I have the um, verses here, so I want to share. <clears throat> so, um, the book of Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and then Titus, were books that are written to pastors or ministers, and so it's th- these are books that I normally read. So this morning I was thinking about what to teach and this is what got into my heart. Paul's instructions to Timothy. And some people have divided them to 10 exhortations and 10 warnings. Others have identified it um, in different various ways. But from my study, this is the number of instructions. Some of the instructions that I see in the book of Timothy that Paul is giving Paul is giving to Timothy. And in as much as they were directed to Timothy who was a minister, I think that they are applicable for Christian living as well. And as believers, we can we can learn from the instructions that were given to Timothy as a young minister and then use that to help in our Christian life. So um, this evening we'll be discussing Paul's Paul's instructions to Timothy from 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 um, First Timothy. We're looking at First Timothy and the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy. Uh, we're gonna read some of the. We're gonna read a lot of verses from the book of Timothy, and then we'll look at the main instructions that Paul was giving to Timothy. There are some of them that were general things that Paul were talking about, things that were going to happen. But then at the end, after he has written the things that he, he, uh, are going to happen, he gave Timothy an instruction from from or on, an instruction on what to do concerning those things. Or some some of them also were things that were happening at that time. And so after Paul mentioned the, those things, he he gave Timothy an instruction on what to do with the information that he's given him. And I feel that. This this uh, instruction will be good for us as believers and how to live our lives in these days. So this instruction is, is not just applicable to leaders or ministers of the gospel, but then it's applicable to every Christian and they are going to help us. So the first one, the first instruction that I see from the book of Timothy is warning against false teachings. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3, Paul said to Timothy, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, 
from a good conscience and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. And so Paul's first instruction to Timothy was that he should stay in Ephesus. If we read the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 16, you see that Paul um, Paul was... So for, the, for those who just joined, we are looking at Paul's instructions to Timothy from the book of 1 Timothy. That's what we are looking at. So if you read Acts chapter 16, when Timothy began to follow Paul, you see that after that chapter, Timothy was with Paul wherever he was going. But when they got to Ephesus and they were leaving to Macedonia, Paul charged Timothy to remain in Ephesus. He asked him to stay there. So Timothy had been walking with Paul, learning from him, watching the way he was ministering every place that, that they went to. But when they got to Ephesus, Paul felt that, okay, this is your graduation service. Um, this is your graduation time. Timothy, this is the time for you to, to stay in this place and help the people here. So Paul says the reason why he left Timothy in Ephesus is so that he would charge people not to teach wrong doctrines. And so doctrine is a very important issue. When One of the things that you see, one of the themes that you see or things that Paul kept mentioning to Timothy was doctrine. When you look at 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he kept reminding him about doctrine, about doctrine. Some people in these days are saying that um, they, they, they don't have any denomination, non-denominational churches. But I, I think that, or I believe that denominations come from doctrines. A church that has a certain doctrine, certain beliefs, certain teachings that they teach to people to be right, then they, based on their doctrine, they identify with denomination. But these days, I think it's become fancy to say that you... You don't have any denomination. And so people go with that. But I believe that every single church has a doctrine. In fact, if a church does not have a doctrine that they teach, uh, they believe in to be truth and they teach, then that would be very dangerous. Because um, And then Paul kept telling Timothy that watch your doctrine when you read First Timothy. So he, Paul says that charge some not to teach other doctrines. Because there were people at that time in, in Ephesus the city of Ephesus, who were teaching wrong doctrines, who were teaching false doctrines. So first, Paul's first instruction to Timothy was on doctrine, that I left you in Ephesus. I charge you to remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some people not to teach any other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless theology, which cause dispute rather than godly edification. And so they were talking about genealogies and ideas and fables and all those things in the city of Ephesus. Because in that city, poetry was very um, popular. People liked to talk. And so there was so much talking, so much ideas being shared. And Paul says that I'm leaving you in the city so that you will not, you will cause, um, you will charge people not to teach any other doctrine. And then he moves on to verse 5 to say that the purpose of the commandment it's love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. That is the purpose of the commandment. The purpose of the commandment is love. One other thing that I see Paul mention so much in the book of Timothy is conscience. Conscience. Paul keeps talking about conscience. At least conscience, I have not counted, but conscience is repeated at least three, at least three times in the book of Timothy. 
So it says that now the purpose of our commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things they affirm. So Paul Paul's first instruction to Timothy was charging him um, that was was reminding him to stay in Ephesus so that he would charge some people not to teach any other doctrine. So Paul's first instruction was correct doctrine. And as believers, we need to be mindful of correct doctrine. We need to stay away from people who do not teach right doctrines. We need to, first of all, even for you to be able to identify the right doctrine, then you yourself have to know the word. And so when you read further in the book of Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that watch your doctrine, watch. And then again, he tells him in 2 Timothy, steady to show yourself approved. So we need to pay attention to scripture as believers so that we'll be able to identify false teachings. Paul was concerned about false teachings and therefore he warned Timothy against false teachings. In our days, today, there's a lot of people who who have become teachers and who are teaching all sorts of things. And the same warning remains for us that we need to be mindful of wrong teachings. We need to be mindful of people who teach false doctrines. And we need to, when such people are in our space, we need to correct them in love. Paul charged Timothy that he should call, he should charge the people that they should not teach any other doctrine. Timothy, as a young man, was going to face all these people and tell them not to not to teach wrong doctrines. But this was so important to Paul that he had to instruct Timothy to take care of that when he Paul left the city of Ephesus. The second thing that you see that I see the second instruction that I see, and of course, like I said. These instructions are good for us as believers, and they are going to help us as well. So not just ministers, but to everyone. The second instruction I see from 1 Timothy chapter 1 is that fight a good fight. Paul, Paul tells Timothy, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you will word your good welfare. Having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected, concerning the faith, have made a shipwreck, of whom are Hermenes and Alexandra, who are delivered to Satan, that they might learn not to blaspheme. And so Paul's second instruction to Timothy Paul's second instruction to Timothy was to um, the prophecies that has been made concerning him. Paul wanted him to wage a good warfare. That is, use those prophecies to fight a good fight. Use those prophecies as a focal point or something that he was going to set ahead of him to fight a good fight. And Paul again repeats conscience. Like I said, that conscience was... Good conscience is something that Paul kept repeating in the book of Timothy. Um, So he says, Having faith in a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have made a shipwreck. So when when a ship wrecks, the ship does not set out sailing with the idea that it's it's going to be involved in a wreck or there's going to be a shipwreck 
ahead of ahead of the journey, ahead of them in the journey. But what normally happens when there's an unexpected storm or unexpected incident as they're traveling, there could be a shipwreck. But Paul is telling Timothy that if you have faith as your anchor and you have a good conscience, you would you would not face a shipwreck ahead in your journey as a Christian. So one of the things that is, from here, one thing that I learned is that if you are a believer, one of the things that will help help you and um, help you in your journey to endure everything that all the storms that come your way is one faith and a good conscience. Having faith and a good conscience, Paul says the people who rejected faith and a good conscience, they have caused the shipwreck of their faith. And so Paul charged Timothy, the second charge he committed to Timothy is that the prophecies that has been made concerning him, the things that have been foretold concerning him, by them he should wage a good warfare. So there were things that have been foretold concerning Timothy. And Paul is saying that use that as a foundation, use that as a basis to press on because there is a good end ahead of you. Just like the Bible tells us, God says, I know the thought that I have of you, dear, of good and not of evil to give you an expected end and hope and so God's desire for us is to give us an expected end and hope once you have this at the back of your mind you are able to press on in the midst of the storm you're able to press on no matter what comes your way because you know that the end is going to be good the Bible says again that all things work together for good. And so if you are going through storms of life and things that happen around you, that seems like you will not be able to stand and you are going to give up. Know that one of the things that will give you strength to press on is the prophecy of the word of God that has promised you a good end, that has promised you an expected end, that has promised you that all things are going to work together for, for your good. If you have that, Paul says to Timothy, use that as a basis to wage a good warfare so that even when you face the storms of life, you will be able to press on and move on. So the second instructions that, instruction that I see from the book of Timothy is that the prophecies, the things that have been foretold concerning you, if you're a Christian and you don't even have any direct prophecy, the things that the Bible has said concerning our future, Paul says, by them we should wage a good warfare. By them we should fight a good fight. Because there is hope for us at the end as believers. When you read Revelation, one of the things that um, the Lord kept telling the church, that he who endures to the end, will receive a reward because of that prophecy that is ahead of us we need to press on and fight a good fight till the end and paul says that we should use faith and a good conscience as an as our anchor so that we we so that we will not um, experience a shipwreck so that we will not make a shipwreck of our faith when we have faith and a good conscience as our anchor so paul says wage a good warfare and have faith and a good conscience as a Christian. So two lessons. The third, the third one from the book of Timothy. Second, this is this is in chapter two. Paul says that therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for those who are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. 
So Paul charged Timothy that we should pray for all men. Paul says that he wants to exalt Timothy that prayer should be made for all men. And as believers, we can apply this to our lives. That we pray for everyone. We pray for believers all over the world. Those we have seen and those we have not seen. Those we know that, and those we do not know. Paul expects Timothy to pray for all men. And so when we, have, when we make time to pray, one of the things that we have to pray about is that we need to pray for all men first. And again, Paul breaks it down and says for kings and those in authority. And so we do not only criticize those in authority. We do not only say evil things about those in authority. Or we should not make it our business to be saying bad things about those in authority. But what we are supposed to do as believers is to pray for those in authority. To pray for kings. Today we might not have kings. Except, if, except those in the UK. We might not have kings and some other places who have kingdoms. We might not have kings but we will have... Um, we have presidents, we have um, Congress, we have all those leaders who occupy different, different positions in the nation. And the Bible says we should pray for kings and those in authority. First, we should pray for all men. Then he says, specifically, we should pray for kings. And so one of the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy is that we should pray for kings. And believe as believers, we need to make um, a constant effort to pray for kings or to pray for leaders, to pray for the president and to pray for all the other people, whether it's your party that's in power or it's not your party that's in power. Your duty as a believer is to pray for leaders. The Bible says, as we pray for leaders, the results will be that we'll be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. As a matter of fact, it's so important that we pray for leaders because whatever laws that these leaders make are going to affect us, whether they are in our party or they are not in our party. Whatever laws that these leaders make are going to affect us. And because of that, we are supposed to pray for these leaders. We are supposed to remember them when, whenever we pray. We are supposed to, I'm sorry, we are supposed to um, intercede for them, that they will make right decisions, that they will make good laws to govern the nations because the laws that they make are definitely going to affect everyone whether you voted for them or did not vote for them and again we need to pray that the leaders will come under good influence and not come under influence of demonic powers and things that um, will not be in line with demonic agendas and the agenda of the enemy but then the Spirit of God will influence them in decisions that they make and in laws that they make. And Paul says that for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so as we pray for all men and as we pray for our leaders, Paul says that it is good in the eyes of God because God's desire is that everyone will be saved. So even the politicians that you don't like or the people who are the politicians who are not in your party, God says that we should pray for them because it is his desire that every man will be saved. So this is also one of the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy. And as a believer, you put yourself in the place of Timothy. 
Paul says that we should all pray, we should pray for all men. And the result of that prayer is that we lead a quiet and peaceable life. The next thing is that Paul gave Timothy instruction for selecting leaders. He gave him instruction on selection of leaders. Um, okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to read this one. Uh, okay, this is a faithful saying that if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good job. Bishop then must be blameless, a husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of a good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not giving to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. I just want to stop there. And when you read further to verse 15, Paul says that, let me read from verse 4. He says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I delay, I write to you so that you may know how you, ought, how you have to or how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the house and the ground of truth. And so the reason why Paul gave all these instructions to Timothy concerning um, leaders and the selection of leaders and how he's supposed to select leaders was so that he will know how to conduct himself in the house of God. That part of the instruction applies to every believer, whether you are a leader or you're not a leader. You might say that the first part is Paul giving him instru- Paul gave him instructions on people who he should select into leadership position. But then the reason why he's giving this instruction is that Timothy will know how to conduct himself in the house of God. And this is needed for every one of us. Paul gave a number of instructions to Timothy on how to conduct himself in the house of God. And this is one of those instructions, how to behave yourself in the house of God, that, you should, that the bishop should, be, should meet all this criteria. And that should be a guideline for Timothy as he selects leaders. Remember, Paul left Timothy in a church that they had just set up, that he should take care of that church. And so Timothy was the one who was going to train leaders. He was the one who was going to select leaders. He was one, the one who was going to lead the church. And so Paul wanted him to know how he has to conduct himself as a leader in the house of God. Even in the selection of other people and other leaders, Paul wanted Timothy to be aware of the fact that your conduct in church is very important. Now, sometimes there are, um, because of democracy and uh, because of independence, a lot of people come to church, but they come to church in their own rules and think that um, it doesn't matter what the church wants to do. What I want to do is what matters and what I want to do is what I'm going to do. So for instance, if the church says that this week we are all praying, we are all fasting, uh, that member will say, okay, me, I don't want to fast this week. I'm going to fast next week or next month. That's what I want to do. And so there is no... Um, the, a person like that doesn't want to follow instructions, doesn't want to just want to be independent. Even though they are in the church, they are still independent. 
they they are in the church but they are not part of the things that the church does they do their things separately but paul was concerned about the conduct of people in the church and so paul gave instructions to timothy on how he's supposed to conduct himself as a leader and if paul expects the leader to meet a certain criteria in, in the in his conduct then definitely the members were also are also required to to behave in a certain manner and so our conduct in church is very important and there are other instructions on how um, we are supposed to conduct ourselves in the church when we read the book of Timothy further. So we are still discussing Paul's instructions to Timothy. Number five is tell the brethren about the end time. Paul says that now, in this is um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says that now the Spirit expressly say that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the, with a hot iron, consent, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from food, which God had created to be received with thanksgiving. But those who believe and know, sorry, and commanding to abstain from food which God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word and by prayer. Verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And so Paul the theme here, the topic here, the one that's the the heading here is something that I selected based on the whole instructions that Paul is giving Timothy. Now, Paul is telling Timothy about things that are going to happen in the end times, things that are going to happen in the later days. He says that their people are going to depart from the faith and they'll give heed to deceiving spirit and doctrines of demons. Again, Paul mentions doctrines here. And so there are people who are going to start listening to doctrines of demons. They are going to enjoy. They are going to give themselves over to deceiving spirit and doctrines of demons. And they'll be speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with iron. And these are some of the things they'll be teaching. They'll be teaching people to forbid marriage. They'll be commanding people to abstain from certain types of food, which in Paul's opinion has been given by God. And of course, Paul's opinion is inspired by the spirit. And he says that every creature that God has created is good for food and should, be, should not be refused. If only you, you, you pray and sanctify it by the word and by prayer, you can eat all things. And so Paul says that people are going to come in the, in the, in the latter days who will say that there are certain things that are unclean and certain things that people should not eat. Paul says that, Timothy should instruct the believers in these things. And if, as he does that, he will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And so the question I ask myself is, what things did Paul want Timothy to instruct the believers about? He wanted him to instruct the believers about the things that are going to happen in the end times, the things that are going to happen in the latter days. Paul says that he should remind the believers and tell them that these are some of the things that are going to happen. And people start teaching about you avoiding certain types of food. Know that every food has been sent, has been given to you by God and it is good. And so the main theme here is to watch the things, to watch um, 
is is to tell people the things that are going to happen in the latter days. That is what I get I get from this whole passage. That if you instruct the believers in these things, that is the things that he has forementioned, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of a good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. So you see that Paul's letter and Paul's instructions to Timothy is dominated by certain words. Doctrine is one of them. Conscience is another one. And so Paul reminds Timothy that if he teaches the believers about the end times and things that they are going to expect in the end times, you'll be a good minister of the gospel. Number six. Number six. Exercise yourself unto godliness was also an instruction that Paul gave Timothy in the in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, But reject profane and old wife fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. It means draw closer to things that are godly, things that look like the God nature, things that you can um, attribute to God. Draw closer to those things. And Paul says that bodily exercise has some profit. It means that if you go to the gym, if you if you if you jog every morning and every day, if you're somebody who lifts metals and and you gym and you have a fine body, Paul says it has some profit. He says it profits a little. There's some benefit in that. There's some profit in that. All of us will testify that if you exercise, it has some benefit. But Paul says, but godliness is profitable in all things. It means that the profit in godliness, the benefit in godliness outweighs the profit in, in bodily exercise. And so even though bodily exercise definitely is of great importance and has benefit as to um, your health, you will live a healthy life if you exercise regularly, if um, you go to the gym, if you do all those exercise, your, um, it's going to help your physical body. But Paul says that godliness is profitable in all things. And it, because it has promise for the life that now is and for the life which is to come. Bodily exercise will only profit us on earth here. Bodily exercise will help you live a healthy life on earth. Probably will help you live longer here on earth. But Paul says that godliness, comparing that to bodily exercise see he's telling us that in this sense you can also infer that godliness is also a form of exercise but that type of exercise has profit for the life that now is and the life which is to come and so godliness will give you a healthy soul just like bodily exercise will give you a healthy body godliness will give you a healthy soul and a healthy spirit those things have profit for the life that is now and the life that is to come. And so as you spend time exercising the physical body to, to get a healthy body, spend time in exercising your spiritual self, which is your main self, which has profit for the life that is to come. After this life, there is another life that is to come. And that life that is to come is eternal and longer than the life that now is. So as we spend time exercising to keep our body in shape, let's exercise as well to keep our soul and our spirit in shape as well. So this was Paul's 
instruction. And this is one of the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy. Um, I put the NLV translation here as well. In the NLV, Paul, um, the New Living Translation, Paul says, have nothing to do with foolish old foolish stories old woman women tell. <laughs> I guess this might be coming from the culture that there were people who were telling stories and in, in, in the New King James calls it fables. But even in our days there are stories that have been created and concocted by people that has absolutely no use and no benefit to the believer. And Paul says that have nothing to do with that type of stories. And he says keep yourself Growing in God-like living. God-like living. It's draw yourself to things that are God-like. Things that draw you closer to God. Growing strong in, in body is only right. It's all right. Sorry. Growing strong in body is all right. But growing in God-like living is more important. And so being more like God is more important than just physical exercise. So the NLV gives us more insight into what that scripture is saying um number seven pay attention attention to doctrine pay attention to doctrine i guess to you together we we are all seeing how many times paul talks about doctrine in 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 um in in the book of first timothy and specifically spend time to tell him Pay attention to doctrine. Paul says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So Timothy was a young man. And as a young man who was going to teach people of all ages, there were going to be old men in the church. There were going to be older men in the church. There were going to be older women in the church. Paul says, do not let anybody despise you Look down upon you because you are young, but be an example in the, to the believers in word. It means that when it comes to the word of God, be strong in the word of God. Know what you are teaching. When you are teaching the right thing, no matter the age of who is who your listeners are, they will listen to you as long as you are teaching the right thing. In conduct, so how Timothy was going to conduct himself in the house of God as a young minister was important to Paul. And so Paul says, in your word, in your conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, know how you conduct yourself. When you're able to conduct yourself very well, when you become, when you show yourself as an example in these areas, people are not going to despise you, even though you are a young leader. And Paul says, till I come, give attention to reading. Very important. As believers, we need to give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of, my, of the hands of the eldership. So Paul tell, tells Timothy that there, there is a gift that is inside of you. Do not neglect that gift. Don't let the gift lie idle. When the elders prayed for you and they laid their hands on you, there is a gift on you. And every believer who is a child of God, who has the Holy Spirit in him, the Holy Spirit is that seed who brings us gifts. All of us have gifts, and we are not supposed to neglect those gifts, but we are supposed to put the gift in use. The Bible says that the gifts are given for the benefit of the whole church. And so if you are sitting down idle and there's a gift that is lying inside of you idle, people who are supposed to benefit from those gifts will not benefit from those gifts. 
because the gifts are not being put into use. You have to put whatever gifts that God has given you into use. <clears throat> because in church or in the world, we all rely on one another. Just like we all need each other's service. In a day, we have used, in a day, when we count the number of services that we have used, that other people are working on. For instance, right now we are using the internet. We are using light. There are so many things that we are using, so many services that we are using in any given moment that other people are work. That's the gift, the other people's work that they, they, that they do. That is their service they are rendering to the whole world. And so as we are enjoying the service from other people, if we also do not render service to those people in areas that we are serving, we are not being fair to the world. In the same way, when we come to church and we enjoy the gift of other people and we don't use the gift for the benefit of other people, we are not being fair to the body of Christ. And as a body, we all have gifts to give. We all have things to do in the, in the body. And so let's all, Paul tells Timothy that put that gift that you have into use. Don't let it lie idle. Another instruction that he gives him in this passage is that meditate on these things. That is the things and the instructions that he's given him about. He says, give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. You see, if you do anything half-heartedly, you will not make progress. But if you are totally committed, if you give yourself wholly to whatever you're doing, that is when you will see progress. Paul says to Timothy, meditate on these things. Think about them. Meditate on them. Give yourself to give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be made to. One of the things, one of the truth about the word of God is when you give yourself wholly to the word of God, when you take the word of God serious and you commit yourself to God and the things of God, everybody will see your progress. And so when you become a Christian, and you start giving yourself to the things of God. You start giving yourself to um, the word of God. Then you see people will start calling you names like... Um, people will start calling you pastor even when you've not been ordained a pastor. They will say, oh, the, the pastor is coming. Even when you've not been ordained a pastor. Because your progress has been seen by all of them. All of them have seen the change. in your. So when you commit yourself to the things of God, your progress will be evident. When you commit yourself wholly to the word of God, everybody will see your progress. And Paul says, take heed to yourself and to the, doct and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will, you will save yourself and those who hear you. So as a teacher, Paul wanted Timothy to be mindful of doctrine. I've lost count in the number of times we've seen doctrine, but that was so important to Paul, and he kept repeating it in the book of in the first book of Timothy. Number eight, Paul says, have good personal relations. So Paul gave Timothy instructions on how he has to behave in the church among the, the church members. He says, do not rebuke an older man. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 to 3, Paul says, do not rebuke an older man, but exalt him as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity, honor with those who are truly widows. 
And so Paul warns Timothy, as a young man, do not rebuke an old man. Even when the old man is wrong, wrong, find a way to exalt the old man. As a father, just like you talk to your father, find a way to exalt them. Find a way to correct them. Do not rebuke them. He says, a younger man, relate with the younger men as your own brothers. Older women as your mothers and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Very, very important that when you come to church and you see other young people, younger sisters, you re- younger women, you relate with them as your sisters. See them as part, being part of your family and you relate with them in all purity. It's very important that as we come to church, when we meet other people in church, we relate with them in purity. I remember one pastor saying that when people run away from the world and they run away from things in the world, we should not create a situation where the things they are running away from in the world, they'll come and meet those things in the church. So we should relate with people who run from the world and come to the church in purity. If they are running away from some uh, bad relationships, we should not create the same condition in the church. That would deter people away. But as believers, we should create a condition that will help the growth of everyone who comes to the church. If people are changing and repenting from certain things, we should create a condition that will help such people um, live right. And do the right thing in the eyes of God. And Paul reminds Timothy to honor widows. The New Living Translation says, Do not speak sharp words to an older man. To, to an older man. Talk with him as if he were a father. Talk to younger men as brothers. Talk to older women as mothers. Talk to younger women as sisters. Keeping yourself pure. So for the younger women aspect, he added purity to it because Timothy was a young man. And when he's talking to the other young women, it was important that he um, did that in purity and his relationship with them. So when you summarize every instru- uh, um, all the instructions in this passage, one, of the th- one thing that we can learn is Paul wanted Timothy to have good personal relationship with the people in the church. So when you come to church, from this we can also learn that when we come to church, we have good relationship with everyone that we meet in the church. Whether the person is old, whether the person is young, whether man or woman, we learn to have good interpersonal relationship as the, as the people of God and as the body of Christ. This is very important and will help the growth of every individual who um, comes to the church. The next one is Paul wanted Timothy to honor the leaders who were serving in the church. That was one, that's one of the thing, instructions I get from this passage. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17 to 19, Let the elders who rule, the elders who serve well, be counted, of, be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of their wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except two or three witnesses. 
except from two or three witnesses, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest may also fear. Anytime I read that part of the Bible, I remember a story. So Paul wanted Timothy to honor the people who are serving in the church. And he says again, do not receive an accusation against an elder, against anybody um, who is a leader in the church. I think that's what the New Living Translation says. Okay, let me read the New Living Translation. It says, leaders who do their work well should be given twice as much pay. And for, and for sure, those who work hard preaching and teaching. The Holy Writing says, when a cow is walking on the grain to break it open, do not stop it from eating some. And a person who works should be paid. Do not listen to what, people, what some people say against a church leader unless two or three, with three, or, two or three persons say the same thing. Show those who, ask, who, who keep on sinning where they are wrong in front of the whole church. Then others will be afraid of sinning. And so Paul pointing out that these church leaders, you know, unfortunately what we see today is the opposite rather happen. If they say anything about a church leader, it will go viral. Everybody will hear. Everybody will keep sharing. Everybody will keep talking about it. Believers and unbelievers. Everybody will make it a topic of the day. But Paul says that do not just accept anything that people say about church leaders. It is a good Christian practice. As a matter of fact, it's not even your business. I mean, that's what I have decided. It's not even my business. What I have to do is to pray for those people. If those people are close enough and I can talk to them, I can take another step or I can do another thing about it. But if those people are not close and they are so far from me, what can I do for those people? When I share, I talk to other people about it, it's of no use. To the brother who, who is in question or who people are talking about or who has done the wrong thing or who people are accusing. So what we have to do is to pray for those people. And so Paul says, do not be quick to accept accusations against leaders, but rather you should just hear it from two or three people. And this instruction was given to Timothy. And Timothy was, Paul was telling Timothy to honor people who serve in the church. People who serve in the church have to be honored. Unfortunately, we see the opposite. People who serve in the church are insulted. They are treated anyhow. People say all sorts of things about them. But Paul says, as believers, we should honor those who serve in the church. At least if you cannot do anything about it, just pray for them or even keep quiet. Right. Okay, now the next thing Paul talks about is good work ethics. That is, you Christians should have good work ethics. And he talks about people who are serving and people who are business owners. And he says, all this is the New Living Translation. All you Christians who are servants, that is, if you are an employee, must you must respect your owners and work hard for them. If somebody employs you, you must respect them and work hard. As a believer, you respect the people who employ you. That's what the Bible teaches us. And work hard. You don't only work hard when your boss is watching, but because God sees you, God is everywhere and he's watching you. He says that those of us who are employees, we should respect the owners of the business or the owners of the company where we, we all work and we should work hard. 
and do, do not let the name of God or our teachings be spoken against because of your poor work. And so if you go to, ch- if you go to work and you're a believer and you don't do your work well and you are lazy, it's not only against you, but it's against your faith. Especially if you portray yourself as a believer, as a Christian. If you don't work hard, Paul says that do not let the name of God and our teachings be spoken against because of your poor work. So if you do a poor work and people say bad things about you, it affects the name of God. It affects your church and it affects the, the, the things that you believe. And hence, Paul says that if you're a believer and you go to church, you must work hard. Don't give out substandard work. Give out your best when you go to work. Because if you don't give out your best, Paul says that when people speak evil concerning your work, it affects your faith. It affects God as well. Because you are a representative of God at your workplace. And so whatever you do at your workplace really matters to your faith. And so don't do a poor work at your, at your workplace. Give off your best. If there are things that you are struggling with that you don't understand, let God help you. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom to be able to give up your best in your workplace. If you do an excellent job, people will speak highly of you. Look at Daniel. And people will want to know more about your God because of even the excellent work that you are doing at work. People will come to you. You become influential. Whether you are a manager or you are a leader or not, as long as you do an excellent work, you become influential. People will come to you when they have problems, when they have questions, and you'll be able to influence them and be a good influence. So as a believer, do not do a poor work at your workplace. The Bible expects you to do your best. If you are struggling and you don't understand your work, you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If you if there's anything that you have, any struggle that you have, you can pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Of course, if there are people in the workplace who can also help you, and definitely talk to them but do not do a poor work don't just do anything at all make sure um i remember one time someone said that whatever work you do is i'm trying to remember exactly but i'll paraphrase it that it has your name or your signature on it and so even when you are gone and somebody else comes to look at it it's rip the work you have done represents you even in your absence and so Make sure that you do a good work so that even in your absence, when people see the work you have done, they can acknowledge that the person who did this work has really done a great job. And it speaks well of you as a believer. So those who have Christian owners must respect their owners because they are Christian brothers. You know, sometimes people will say, oh, he's a Christian. or when, Especially when the owner is a Christian, people want to take advantage of that and then behave anyhow towards the person. But the Bible says that if you have a Christian leader, the fact that the person is a Christian brother does not mean you should disrespect them or does not mean you should behave anyhow towards them, but rather you should rather work hard for them. So he says they should work hard for them because much loved Christian brothers are being helped by their work. And Paul tells Timothy that teach and preach these things. So he Paul, um, Timothy's um, responsibility was to teach the church these things, that if you were a worker in the secular world, if you were a worker working for another Christian brother, work hard. Do not do a poor job because 
whatever work you do speaks about your God. And it speaks about even who you are as well. Number 11. Pursue righteousness. Pause. Number 11 instruction that I see. Um, you know, looking at the time. Is that <clears throat> Timothy should pursue righteousness. And First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 to 16, the Bible says, But you, O man of God, flee these things. The things Paul had listed, the things. And one of some of the things that Paul listed before this verse was the love of money. And he was talking about the love of money being the root of all evil and people going after it and, and following after the love of money. Then in verse 11, he says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight a good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without sports blameless until our lord jesus christ appearing which he will manifest in his own time he who is blessed and only pontiate the kings of kings and the lords well so paul is telling timothy to flee these things the things that he mentioned was the love of money and he says pursue righteousness so as believers our pursuit will be should be righteousness pursue that will do things that are god-like that looks like god pursue faith pursue love pursue patience and gentleness and the bible talks about these things in the in the book of galatians he says against these things there is no law there even when people make bad laws Against these things in the Old Testament, there is no law that stands against these things. There is no law in the Old Testament that's, that talks against love, or talks against faith, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. The Bible says, even in the Old Testament, there is no law that talks against them. And when we bring that to modern times, there is no law that will stand against faith, patience, love, gentleness. You cannot go wrong by being gentle. When you are driving in traffic, you cannot go wrong by being patient with other drivers, by loving them, by being gentle, by being humble in your workplace. There is no way you can go wrong. In fact, there is no law that can affect you because you are gentle in your workplace. There is no law that will work against you because you have patience and you love other people. Bible says, against these traits, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, Bible says, against these things, the fruit of the spirit against them there is no law so when we um when we pursue these things the bible says that there is no law against them so um paul tells timothy to pursue righteousness i'm gonna i'm just gonna share the last one and then we'll close because of time um we'll stop at number 12. so paul again one of the instructions Paul gives Timothy in 1 Corinthians is to teach the rich people. It says that command those who are rich. Other translations use the word teach those who are rich in the present age. Not to be haughty, that is not to be proud, 
not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So Paul is saying that those who are rich in the present age, they should not put their trust in their riches. They should not put their trust in the things they have, but they should put their trust in God. And they should not be proud, but they should rather put their trust in God. And Paul says again to those who are rich, let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. And so Paul says that rich people are supposed to do good in the present world. They should share with other people who are in need. And when they do that, they are going to have a reward. They are going to have good works ahead of them into eternity. And so um, these are some of the few instructions um, that we can learn from the first book of Timothy that Paul, uh, that Paul gave to Timothy as a young man and as a leader. These are some of the few instructions that um, we can learn from the book of Timothy. I, I just want to stop here. Um, just want to stop here because of time. If, if there are any instructions, um, there are any questions, we can discuss them. We have, I think we have about two minutes. If there are any, um, if there are any questions or contributions, we can take them. I hope I was not I was not moving too fast then eh? because there were so many of them. <laughs> or maybe I moved too fast. Yeah, it, it was good. It was yeah. good. I, I enjoyed it. Um Timothy is a, a really solid book. You know, you brought up so many really good points. Um doctrine is so so important if you don't fall into I, I, I hope everybody took notes though. Of course it's recorded, thank God. So we can uh, re-listen. But some of the things that just uh, struck me was the one about doctrine, um, how to treat one another. You know, sometimes we don't know how to treat one another, you know, maybe because we weren't taught our background, whatever it is. But the scripture really shows us how to do it. And we start with the church of God, right? And then it spills over into our other relationships um the other thing that also ministered to me so much was um uh our work you know um how we do our work on the outside the work that we do in church i think also counts i think that that should also be included there um because it 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 does it, it causes influence and i think you hit the key note there um, when we do a great job, we become leaders yeah. and we become influencers. And because we have the light of God, we influence people for Christ. And I think that, you know, those are the things that I just wanted to reiterate because they just really ministered to me. God bless you, Pastor Robert. Right. Thank you so much, Pastor Jess, for sharing. Um, I think it's 8 p.m. So um, there's no other question or contribution. We'll, we'll just pray and close for today all right okay um shall we pray father in jesus mighty name we thank you lord for the opportunity lord to approach your word we pray in jesus name holy spirit that what we've learned today you continue to resound in our hearts let it be part of our life 
so that we can teach other people, so that we can live what the Bible says. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.